0: Welcome to Faith Church's time of worship this week. While we are not able to be together physically, we gather in spirit to bring our prayers and praises to the Lord, to hear from His Word, and to be empowered for the days ahead. In this next month of stay-at-home order, we're going to continue with these worship services that we'll have on our website and our YouTube channel. We'll also have our second sermons available in those ways. And we hope that you're able to take advantage of these opportunities to worship and to reflect on the word of the Lord. If you want to have a conversation, some fellowship time with other believers, we have a number of opportunities for that every week. We have men's and women's Bible studies, men's fellowship group, we have prayer times. If you want to be connected, we have all kinds of things going on. You can check out the bulletin on our website for different ways to connect. Next week in particular, on Thursday, May 7, we along with many across our nation We'll be joining for prayer on our National Day of Prayer. We'll have a time for our church specifically to gather via Zoom next Thursday evening. And now as we begin worship, hear this call to worship the one true God. This is Psalm 100 calling us to worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Word of God calls us to worship, and the Lord Himself greets us with these words. To those who are called, who are beloved in God the Father and kept safe in Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. The Lord has greeted us and drawn us into worship. Let's respond by praising He who is our great strength and our eternal refuge. is our great refuge and our strength. He delivers us from sin and he gives us new life. And he gives, us, he gives us in his word instructions about how to live that new life. In this service, we're going to read the 10 commandments together re- responsively to remind us of the shape of the life that God calls and equips us to live. Let's read. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments.
1: You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name.
0: Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy.
1: Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you.
0: You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal.
1: You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor.
0: You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The Lord leads us in his ways through his word and his spirit And the Lord accepts us and listens to us as our loving, heavenly Father. For our prayer in this service, I'm going to follow the outline of the Lord's Prayer. And in our second sermon series, starting this week and in some of the weeks ahead, I'm going to be walking through the different parts of the Lord's Prayer. So so you're invited to check that out as a way to reflect more on how the Lord Jesus Christ has taught us to pray. But now let's actually pray that prayer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, we love you because you first loved us. Thank you for for stooping down from your throne to adopt us and to make us part of your family. We're grateful for the work of Christ to reconcile us to you, and we're thankful for the continuing work of the Holy Spirit in drawing us to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we hate the state that the world is in these days. It's exhausting to be going through this pandemic with the isolation, with the loss of livelihood, with the sickness and the death. We feel caught up in troubles that we didn't cause and that we can't cure. And so we pray for you to work, for you to bring your kingdom, to transform this world to make it how it should be, to make it a place where your will is done. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, as we pray and wait for your kingdom, give us what we need today. Provide each of us with the endurance that we so desperately need in these days. Give the Corda family strength and grace for each day. Bless the treatments that Dale and Tara are receiving And give the whole family a sense of your presence and your care. Bless all those who are sick in these days, whether with COVID-19 or other illnesses. Bring healing, we ask. And we ask, too, that, that you help all of us to find moments of enjoyment and renewal. Provide us with the emotional and the spiritual and the physical refreshment that we all need. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Father, in these trying times, help us to keep forgiving the daily annoyances and irritations that we're all experiencing. Keep us from exploding in anger. Give us the resources we need to practice grace and continue to pour your grace and your forgiveness on us as we feel stretched beyond our limits and as we recognize that we so often are not getting it right. Take away our guilt and take away our brokenness too. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Father, in so many ways, this is a time of trial for us. In particular, many of us are are terribly worried about the future. And we admit that, that perhaps we spend too much time worrying and trying to control what's happening next. Rescue us from that trap. Help us to trust in you every day and and keep us away from all the devil's schemes. Keep us safe in you and help us to run to you always with all our concerns. We love and serve you because you are our Heavenly Father and because the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. We'll move now from a time of prayer to a time of praise. The Lord keeps us safe, the Lord instructs us and transforms us, and the Lord, the Lord enables us to enjoy life and to rejoice in Him. So let's together sing of our joy in the Lord.
2: Oh, Joyful, we adore you, God of glory. Lord.
0: Offering update this week. there are many ways that we can't give and serve as we usually do but we are grateful for how the Lord continues to provide for us as a church and for other kingdom causes. We want to thank all of you who have used the blessings that you've received financially to bless the church financially. We're grateful for your continued giving to the general fund that covers our church expenses, to the benevolence fund that provides for those in need, and to the Timothy fund that provides for the Christian education of some of our children here at Faith. We are truly blessed to serve a God who pours out His grace and His blessings upon us, and we are blessed as a church to be able both to give and to receive those blessings. If you are in need these days, if you have a financial need, if if you're up nights worrying, please get in touch with your district deacon or with any of our deacons. We want to help you as much as we can, and we ask that you give us the gift of being able to share in your burdens in these hard days. The Lord provides in many ways. We are grateful that he provides through his work and that he provides through his people, through the fellowship of believers. As we look toward hearing the word of God, we're going to sing by faith. This song tells us a little bit of the story of God's marvelous work with his people throughout the ages. So let's together praise our gracious and loving God in whom we have put our faith.
3: Oh,
1: Our scripture reading today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, verses 13 through 20. Before we read, let's pray. O oh, Father in heaven, that song that we just heard, that's our prayer, that's our cry as we come into your presence in worship that we have nothing. Lord, even more so, that's our prayer as we draw near to your word. Take our hands, take our our mind, take our hearts, fill them, O Lord, with yourself by speaking to us through your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's listen together to God's holy and infallible Word, 1 Thessalonians 2, beginning at verse 13. This is God's holy and infallible Word. And we also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved." In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. That's God's word to us today. Brothers and sisters, uh, there's, there's a phenomenon that many Christians have experienced in their lives And maybe you have as well. A Bible verse that you've read before suddenly strikes you in a whole new way. It could be that it convicts you of of something that you shouldn't have done or shouldn't have thought. Or it encourages you or it comforts you in a whole new way for your life today. It could even be a verse or a part of a verse that you don't even ever really remember noticing before, uh, but then it, it jumps out at you and it hits you right here. Well, what that is is the experience of what Hebrews 4.12 tells us, that God's word is living and it's active and it's powerful, um, so that it speaks to believers a new on each leg of our life's journey in this world. From time to time, uh, these past months, we've been taking a, a verse a section from 1 Thessalonians, and as we've been going through Thessalonians and its themes of, of Christ's coming and work a day living, uh, the section that we read today, that we're up to today, struck me in a whole new way, And I want to share what hit me, what moved me. I'm thinking it might strike you today, too, especially given the situation that we're all going through together. Near the end of our reading, Paul writes about his intense longing to see the Thessalonians. This is his great desire. Paul and his missionary partner, Silas, brought these people, he's writing this letter to, he brought them the good news of Jesus. He preached it in the local synagogue in Thessalonica, and there was immediate response, and a church was born. Persecution followed. Um, You could read about all of this in the first verses of Acts 17. Paul and Silas had to flee for their lives, and then from there they went on preaching, planting the seed of God's Word in other cities. When Paul writes in that verse 17 that they were torn away from the Thessalonians, that's what he's talking about, that persecution that made them flee. And it's really the language of being orphaned, a parent and a child separated Earlier in chapter 2, Paul described his care for these people like that of a gentle mother and of an effective father, and those are pictures of gospel care that all Christians are to have for other people. Paul expressed that care, that level of deep, precious love, as if they were his children, but... The persecution ripped them apart from each other. And now he's saying he really wants to see them again. And what he says about seeing them, it's literally face to face. That's the word he uses. He's saying, I want to see you in person, in the flesh. I long for it. I desire it. I yearn for that personal connection with you, my children, the people of God. Uh, The Bible's in our pews are the NIV version. That's what we normally use. I don't know why, but for some reason, they don't use that very striking language that is in the original language. He wants to see them face to face. That's very, very clear. But he can't. Verse 18, Satan stopped him. More than once, it sounds like. Exactly how the devil hindered him, we're not told here. So in those days, and this is something you might remember from history class, there was an amazing, incredible network of Roman roads, and it it connected the entire vast empire. It helped the Roman Empire in terms of trade, but also in terms of control. If there was an uprising anywhere throughout the empire, They sent the armies down the Roman roads, and they could squelch that uprising quite quickly. God, in his providence, also used these roads for Paul and for other missionaries to get the message of the risen Lord Jesus all throughout the Roman Empire. Those old Roman roads were really an amazing feat of civil engineering from uh, the details of their very solid foundation uh, to the large stones f- that they flattened for a smooth surface to the drainage ditches on the sides. With maintenance, um, they were in very usable for 800 years. If you think about that, that's more than three times as long as our country has been in existence And to this day, you can see uh, parts of the remains of these roads. Well, the picture of Satan stopping Paul is of the large rocks and stones of one of these incredible Roman roads being all broken up and piled up so that there was a barricade, a roadblock in the middle of the road, literally no way to pass through. Because Satan hindered Paul, He couldn't see the church face to face. He couldn't visit them to worship with them. He couldn't read scripture and and preach to them. He couldn't be there to shake their hands at the end of the service or or have coffee with them in the fellowship hall and catch up on their lives and what was going on. And, And so what Paul does is he does the next best thing he can to reach them in those days. He writes a letter. That was the best alternative to connect, to teach, to encourage them in their faith. He wrote this letter that we're reading and a second one too, Second Thessalonians. But he would have so much rather been with them face to face. What's, what's that about? Why is this so important to Paul? Well, it helps to trace out uh, the Christian's journey in this world, like, like Paul does in our passage, in a sense. Moving from our past to our present to the future. And that journey starts with trusting in God's word. As our section of verses start, we read about how that happened with the Thessalonians. That was verse 13. They received the word of God into their hearts and lives. Even though it was men preaching these words to them and this word about Jesus, they realized that it was ultimately not a word from mere humans, but this was God's own word. The Bible tells us that those who wrote this word were used by the Holy Spirit, and that's why we call the Bible inspired. The Spirit breathed in and on the words of the human writers. So these these folks received and accepted the word as it really is, the word of God. Received here means they welcomed it, in fact, you know, kind of like you throw open uh, your front door for family or friends or, or maybe your, your small group people who are coming by for the evening and and welcome that. None of that stuff, obviously, we've experienced for weeks and weeks now because of the stay-at-home order. But the point is, the Thessalonians did that with their hearts. When God's word came to them, they opened the door of their hearts to receive the Lord in his word. And, And if you're a believer, that's what has happened with you. You have put your trust in the word of God. You believe in God's word. And for some Christians, some believers, that happens very quickly. They hear God's word, they respond. And for other Christians, maybe it takes a few years for them to really get it and to open their hearts. Of course, when we talk about them receiving God's word and welcoming it, and us too, like we talked about last week in the message with the two men on the road to Emmaus, it's ultimately God we need to open our eyes, to open our hearts, because on our own, we are blind to him and his ways, and our hearts are cold and they're shut. To him and his grace. And then so he has to do a work. But then we're called to respond to that work. We're called to respond to the Lord. And the Thessalonians did. And then like God's word always does, it went to work, we read. It resulted in changed lives. So that's that's all great, wonderful. But Paul knows That something else is needed along with the written and preached word of God. And he's been telling us this all along in this book in different ways. Uh, When he said in chapter 1, we brought the message to you not only with words but with Holy Spirit power and conviction and we lived it out. And when he complimented them, also in chapter 1, you also lived out the gospel message, imitating Jesus so that the good news rang out everywhere with your living. From that beginning of trusting in God's word, Paul knows we also need the communion of the saints to move forward in faith and to grow in our Christian life. It's difficult to walk a life worthy before God all by yourself. You need people to encourage you. You need people to admonish you sometimes. You need to encourage others That's behind this longing, this great desire that Paul has to see them face to face. But there are these constraints. Satan blocked him, and it causes Paul pain that he couldn't meet with them. Plus, if you think about it, no doubt, This persecution that we read about, that they were experienced, it would also have to make them very cautious about meeting all together in the open. And so their own fellowship, the face-to-face part of the faith, was hindered too. Satan will use whatever he can to break up the church because he knows how vital it is for believers to meet together together to celebrate the sacraments together, to hear God's word together, to catch up, even to catch up before and after worship services. But the devil wants to separate Christ's body, the church, like through the persecution in that day that we read bonded the Thessalonians with the churches all the way over in Judea. There's persecution in many parts of the world today and Satan certainly wants that to damage the church and its fellowship. And I'm sure that the devil wants to use this virus today to hurt us, to block us, to stunt our spiritual growth because we can't be together. We can't meet face to face. And so, like Paul, we're trying to do the next best thing. In the midst of these social distancing requirements, as a church, we're doing Zoom meetings, uh, we're doing online worship, and we can, of course, and do continue to pray for each other. We can make phone calls, we can write letters, and I think of those, those notes that some of you wrote to the deacons that you mailed in with your offerings. All of that these are the types of things we do to keep being the church, to keep having that communion of the saints that's so vital as much as possible. So this um, this whole online worship thing seems to be going okay. Um, I was on the phone with someone just today, in fact, who really expressed appreciation for what... Um, All the volunteers are doing, putting these services together. Um, And we've heard a lot of appreciation from the church family for the services. And you know, the thing about it is we don't have to all get ready for church by a certain time. Leave the house at 9.10 or 9.15 or whenever we need to do it to get in here on time. And, and, and for our family, you know, we don't have to kind of herd everyone out the door, uh, but we can watch when we're ready, which for our family these days, it's about about 10.30 a.m. It's very convenient. You, you can watch under a, a cozy blanket, in your pajamas. As a family, we tend uh, to dress up a little bit, but it certainly wouldn't be wrong to be in your jammies when you listen to the service, Right? sitting on your couch with a cup of coffee, maybe a, a cinnamon roll. I mean, it's, it's pretty great, really. I mean, you don't even have to exert yourself to stand for the songs. In fact, you don't even have to sing at all if you don't want to. There's so much, it's pretty great, all this, like, personal choice. You don't have to put on your good Sunday shoes. You don't even have to put on socks. It's super handy doing church this way dads and moms i know or change a baby's diaper right on the living room floor without even having to walk out of church or hitting pause pretty nice again convenient but let's not be lulled into thinking that this is the same as what we normally do in terms of worship. This is a stopgap measure, where, like Paul, we're staying as connected as best we can. Satan would love for us to keep doing this forever, because he knows it's not the same. And so we can't let him remove this great desire in our hearts to see one another faith church face-to-face, to to fellowship and worship together, uh, to visit people who need a visit rather than just call them, um, to be able to see them face-to-face rather than saying hi from a window like my family has to do with my grandpa in Michigan in a retirement home. A little bit over a week ago now, I think it was, I was in a store, um, I was picking up few grocery items like I, I get sent to do from time to time. My particular uh, mission this time, because we'd heard about like, a, a, a meat shortage possibly coming, so my mission was to stock up on meat. And so I did. I, I, was, I was in the store wearing my face mask. Um, I got a good amount of chicken. I got a bunch of ground beef, big pile of it. I also got some ground turkey. While I was uh, perusing the pork, I heard, hello, Pastor Greg, behind me. And there were Trudy and Ken Lanning from our church. Trudy, like me, was wearing a mask. Ken wasn't, so I could recognize them very quickly and easily. Um, but this was before like we were really ordered to do that in stores, so Ken was okay. Don't want to get Ken in trouble here. So it was good to see them. Trudy and I were talking Ken too, but you know what Trudy said after we, you know, she called out it was like I hardly recognized you because I had my mask on. And and the fact is I might not have recognized her unless she had called out. So we had this conversation, but it was mask to mask, not face to face. Maybe, maybe you've had some of these conversations in stores already by now, too, uh, but they're not ideal, and it's certainly not an ideal way to connect with someone from your church family. So let's be sure that we have the great longing that Paul has here and that we don't lose sight of the importance of being face-to-face with one another for our spiritual growth. Don't forget that this is not how it's supposed to be, though perhaps we're starting to get used to it and thinking, you know, this really ain't so bad. I suspect, I I fear, that during this time, the devil's going to pick off some people, some Christians, who are going to get lulled to sleep by the convenience of virtual church of a virtual spirituality and i pray that that doesn't happen to anyone from our church family i do know for the elect of god they we are always going to have that desire that longing the yearning that i've heard so many in our faith church family express these past weeks to see And be with one another again face to face. From receiving God's words in our hearts to lives growing in faith in the church body. And for us today longing for the time when we can truly do that again as it's supposed to happen face to face. From there we have like Paul a great hope in the future. He ends this chapter, like every other chapter in First Thessalonians, you might remember, with a view to the second coming of Jesus. Paul doesn't let this current disappointment, this current crisis, let, get him down for long. He's got a long view in this short-term trial, and we do too. When Jesus returns at that second coming, there will be no more hindrances. There will be no more roadblocks for God's people gathering and worshiping the King of Kings together. Whatever the roadblock is, whether it's persecution, personal illness, effects of old age, or a pandemic, pandemic, none of those are going to be in heaven. Hopefully we'll be able to gather again as a church family sooner rather than later. But we just don't know. We'll do what we can like Paul in the meantime and we'll trust that God will use what we're doing. But, but then think about it. Even when the time comes where this virus is no longer a threat, there will continue to be constraints for god's people in this world until the end of time we'll have challenges we'll have hindrances and there's a term for the church facing challenges and hindrances and being threatened and having constraints it's called the church militant in other words that describes the church experiencing spiritual warfare, battle of all kinds, that struggle, that battle, it will continue until Jesus returns on the clouds and Satan's finally thrown into the lake of fire. Then, when the Son of God returns, we and all believers around the world and throughout history, even those who have gone before, will be translated They will be changed, in other words, into the church triumphant, from the church militant to the church triumphant. That's the church victorious because Jesus has the victory and he will reign forever and ever. At that time, that change will involve us receiving new resurrected bodies. We're not going to be Ethereal, wispy souls and spirits for all eternity. But the Bible teaches that we'll have perfect physical bodies. We will be in glory physically face to face. And I suspect that will continue to be vital for God's children forever as we serve and praise the Lamb on the throne, Jesus, who was slain to purchase this glorious future for us. Even with that glorious hope, that glorious future that is certain for all who believe, we keep desiring and we're praying for the day when we can get together again as a church family. Maybe you've had or heard uh, the word in these times, like I have, and maybe you too, this is the new normal. And, yeah, we just kind of got to get used to the new normal. But, friends, this is not the norm that God wants for his children. We should not get used to it. We should not stay content with it. As we do our best as a church family during this time, we long to see each other again face-to-face It's going to be a great day, isn't it? And we trust uh, in the meantime God's word that he who began a good work in each of us and even in all of us together here at Faith Church, that he will be faithful to complete that work in our hearts, in our lives, and in our church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your word as it's come to us today. I pray, O oh God, that uh, you would instil in us a, a longing like we read in this chapter. a longing to be together with God's people, face to face. Uh, forgive us and who maybe are uh, it's been going on so long. Perhaps we're forgetting the importance of that. But help us keep yearning, keep striving. And in the meantime, O, o Lord, help us please use and help us be lifted up and encouraged and grow in faith even through these other th- things like technology, But all the while, Lord, we know you want us to be in relationship physically, face-to-face with other believers. Thank you for the great joy that we have as we do that here at Faith Church. In the meantime, continue to work in us uh, with these stopgap measures that we're using as a church. Use them, O God, in your great providence and uh, keep us longing and praying for the time that we'll get together again. We pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. We're going to sing together uh, the verses of the hymn, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. Let's do that right now. Let's sing. Jesus leads you all the way, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen.